On Saturday, September 10th, at the D23 Expo, Disney released the very first teaser trailer for the Percy Jackson series on Disney+. Plus. It is currently Monday, September 12th, and we are recording a special episode for you, breaking down that trailer shot by shot, including our analysis on what this trailer teaser tells us about what we can expect for the upcoming show. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was like getting off the subway with my two roommates and I got a text from Erica saying like, now, now, now. <laughs> now was the time, now with no context. <laughs> like everyone else on the internet, we were manifesting and also manifesting. only talking about the Halle Bailey vocals in the last 30 seconds of the live action Little Mermaid clip. We knew D23 was happening. It should have come as no surprise. I personally found the teaser to be a jump scare because I was fully convinced that there would be no footage released, like not in a million years. They just started filming. Yeah. I was pretty positive they were going to announce some gods, maybe bring them out on stage with the trio at the expo. So when I was at work, we just closed the store at 8 p.m. at Book Culture. My manager called me over and was like, oh my God, the the Percy Jackson trailer just dropped. And I was like, stop joking. And they started playing it. And I was like, that's a fan made trailer. That's not real. They're saying the lines. And then they were like, no, this is Erica. (laughs) This is real. And then I proceeded to stand over their shoulder and watch the whole thing on their iPhone and like scream in their ear. And then I watched it like 20 more times uh, right outside the store. I like could not leave, could not go home. And then I finally like got my ass onto the one train to get back home, like while feeling nauseous and like crying (laughs) about the trailer. I step foot on the one train. I sit down and there are these two people like young 20 year olds, like screaming next to me. And by screaming, I mean, they were like giggling and like, ah, and like I was like watching the trailer again on my phone and then I heard them say Disney plus and I looked (gasps) over at them and I was like are you guys also watching the Percy Jackson teaser and they were like yes and I was like me too I I host a Percy Jackson podcast and one of them was like I just had a Percy Jackson themed birthday party two weeks ago oh my god "Ah!" and they were like "Ah!" and then I got off it was only two stops and I got off and I was like bye and they were like bye and then I tweeted about it almost immediately and Ashley Latimer Shout out to her. She, uh, spoiler alert, will be coming on our podcast very soon. So stay tuned for that. She is famously known for working on the Lightning Thief musical and also running Rick Riordan's social media handles. But she retweeted my tweet about meeting these girls on the train. And those girls found my tweet. It came up on their feed and we were reunited. And they were like, oh my God, I didn't have time to ask about what your podcast was. So I'm glad that you popped up. So if you're listening to this, shout out to you, girls from the train. (laughs) Wow. Made for a very good anecdote. If you're sitting down on the train or the bus and nobody directly next to you is talking about the Percy Jackson teaser, be the change you want to see in the world. Be the change. Be the person talking about the Percy Jackson teaser on the bus. Anyway, that was Saturday. Today is Monday. Keep that in mind as far as timeline, as far as news. It is also the Emmys. Yeah, the Emmys are like literally happening right now as we're having this conversation. Shout out to Charlie Ralph Queen. Shout out to Rothaniel for just winning an Emmy. Big deal. Very big deal. Very exciting. You know what else is very exciting and cool? The fact that we started this podcast in May of 2020 because we heard there was going to be a TV show. 
And it's September of 2022. And we have a good little um, roughly, what is it, 52 seconds of content to base our personalities around again. It's really <laughs> thrilling, really thrilling to have a new personality. We finished Magnus Chase and now my personality is this teaser. And we are planning, if we haven't said it enough times, to cover the TV show, you know, when it drops eventually in 2045, one episode at a time. So we figured we would cover this teaser shot by shot tonight for fun and as a warm up to cover the TV show shot by shot every week. I feel like as we, for the very first time, really legitimately talk about the TV show on air, we should lay some kind of groundwork for yes. comparing the book to the show. Thoughts, Carter? Yes. Forming some tenants? I think it is good to establish some things since, you know, we've mentioned TV shows on this before, but this is new territory. We haven't done this. We haven't really walked through, I mean, well, there's also Entering Storybook, but we haven't, That's not a real you know... podcast. That's like a study <laughs> hall that is accidentally on the internet um, and will come back to haunt me. There's so many people in Entering Storybook. It's really like... <laughs> it's a city-state. There we go. Yes. We're going to talk about television now. And in order to do that, we first need to talk about talking about television. I'm going to leave this, this blurb about adaptation to you. I feel like I don't think we have said this on the air, but I would like to say at some point in this that we read books as children. We read books now. Erica, far more so than I, Erica knows a lot about <laughs> books. Like, you don't read books, Carter. <laughs> but more than jazz, more than corn syrup, what is the true American art form? If we are to extract something of value oh, from this godforsaken- Musical theater? Musical theater, that was the third thing. That was the third thing in my list of three oh. things. What is the one thing that we can extract and say this is the American art form if we were to justify this evil colonial husk of a waste of a country? <laughs> what is the one thing oh that we draw from this and say that was excellent? That was the great American art form. It's television. It is absolutely television. We're not going to be film bros on this. We are television people. Television is a, a little bit of a film bro. Okay. Wait, well <laughs> there's film bros and then there's television girly cats <laughs> <laughs> television is its own art form it is not the same thing as film you know you can say things about like cinematography and script writing and all of these things in the context of television obviously but it is its own thing and it is its own thing that is again the true american art form and we're ready to talk about it yeah and i want to say that we will be comparing the books to the shows in that we will be very excited when word for word lines come up. We'll be very excited when scenes are created and recreated, but we're not going to be judging the value of the show based on how accurate it is to the book series. That is mm -hmm. not something that is within our objectives. We will be valuing the TV show on its own and of course there are going to be times when we're like oh that was different or like oh that's the same but we're going to be enjoying it no matter what liberties are taken and we obviously hope certain liberties are taken in certain places so that we don't have <laughs> recreations of certain things and we will not be judging the young actors performances based on how accurate <laughs> they were to our childhood perception of these characters when we were eight I mean, we might mention something, but we're not going to obviously Carter's say gonna that they're doing a bad Carter's going to complain about Walker Scobell being blonde, and I can't stop that. I'm sorry. And I do not we need to have, at have some any point comments. In this, 
No comment. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that at the end of the trailer, I was like, oh, okay. I knew they weren't dying it, but also they're not using a wig. And that is okay. I am okay with that. Okay, growth, Carter. Good for you <laughs> looking at a blonde person and not feeling fear. Yeah. Um... <laughs> and that's what Percy Jackson is all about. Okay. Adaptation is its own form of art and beauty, and that's what we're going to be talking about. You know, it is figuring out what things to bring over from the original text and what things to modify and how it is that your two media are different. Absolutely. And like what changes you need to make to maximize your television value. I was just reading through the heroine with 1001 Faces and something that's written in there by Professor Maria is all retellings are interpretations. Let's remember that. Period. Especially when it comes to myths. Rick's books are but an interpretation of the Greek myths. Rick's show will be but an interpretation of his books. And if you are, as a seaweed brain listener, feeling some kind of fear in your gut at the thought of things being different from how you imagined them or hoped they would be, let us take a deep breath right here and now, inhaling <laughs> through your nose, exhale, open mouth, sigh. It's going to be okay. We have to relinquish yeah. the property <laughs> to Disney Plus and these young actors. All right. Lots of caveats. All that being said. Let's go. Right away. Right away, we open up with music. This music, this music is not Hilary Duff, as we may have hoped it would be. <laughs> However, it is still delightful. It's orchestral. It is fantastical. No, like, musical themes yet, necessarily, that we're able to pick out, but obviously that will come later, and I'm very that excited later. for the Percy Jackson theme song, whatever those musical motifs are. Again, they will be my new personality. <laughs> I guess this is probably a good time to talk about all of the narration at once. So the setup for the trailer is it's a lot of fast cuts. A lot of these shots are maybe somewhere between two to four seconds long. And the whole time as we're moving between these, we have narration from Walker over the scoring. And as you might expect, this really, like, in terms of teaser form, again, all media have things that you need to optimize for. As far as creating a 50-second piece of content to sell somebody on this, it was right there. It was packaged. It was ready to go. Genius. What we have here is a slightly modified version of... Of the very first page of The Lightning Thief. High level, it seems like what they're trying to do with this trailer is orient themselves primarily towards laying out the world. Like, they're very interested in establishing Camp Half-Blood in this trailer. So they've made some slight edits for time, but also so that we're focused a little bit less on getting Percy's voice and are emphasizing instead the generalizability of the intro message, which is, you might think you're a Half-Blood, but that's a bad thing. Don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say I didn't warn you. One thing we will be doing is comparing the TV show viciously to the movies. <laughs> they are the same medium and we feel the ability to do that. And so I will say one of the things that we have notably complained about many times about the original movie is that they did not establish Camp Half-Blood and they did not give us the sense of place that they should have. And therefore it's very exciting to see them setting up this world because similar to... Uh, we're also going to compare it a lot to the Harry Potter movies. The very first <laughs> of any little fantasy show, especially for kids, you want it to have a home base. You want it to feel like this is the place I want to go as a 12-year-old. I'm going to imagine this place. They're going to build the theme park. It's very important for marketing and also just for world building. And I have to say that listening to this trailer 
earlier today, what call it like my 2000th play through this, this teaser, <laughs> I heard a line differently that I had never contemplated before, I guess. And it's these lines at the end where Percy says, because once you know what you are, they'll sense it too, and they'll come for you. And I always just kind of, I guess, brushed over those lines. as like, oh, the monsters will smell you because we all know that when you recognize that you're a demigod, you get smellier to monsters. But this time I was like, wait a second. They is not defined in the trailer, in the teaser voiceover. And I looked at the book and the they is also not defined in the book because Percy isn't talking about monsters exclusively, probably not even primarily. He's talking about the gods. He is talking about the 12 Olympians, most specifically Zeus, Ares, Hades, his own dad, the ones who play most prominently in this book, because who is the antagonist of the lightning thief? We frequently forget who the villain is in the first book, because we obviously don't know what happens with Luke until the end of this novel. And then we have the Luke Kronos plot. But in the lightning thief, Percy's main villain, his antagonist to his story is Ares, Hades, and Zeus. Yes. Those are the people he's up against. Those are the villains. Oh my God. The show is already teaching me more about the text. And it's reflected in the trailer too. Like we will go through it shot by shot, but none of the shots are monsters. Partially because they have CGI'd nothing yet. <laughs> Partially because we're very early in production, but also probably- We can't have a She-Hulk disaster. <laughs> yeah, the foreboding shots in this where we see Percy feeling fear or opposition or the unknown are all about other demigods and the world of Kemp Half-Blood, which again, it's setting up something where we're focused not on specific enemies, but on the idea of the world, the world as a place that we will come to appreciate perhaps, but also the construct of godliness and like Greek mythology having an impact on modern society as being that which is fundamentally terrifying (laughs) and that as being the locus of our focus in this moment. Mm -hmm. And also the fish out of water sense of yeah. the story especially of the lightning thief it's really the only story in which he's a fish out of water until like son of neptune that being said shall we go to the frames now that we've covered the voiceover the very fantastic music shot one trees the trees of vancouver beautiful <laughs> crisp evergreens stunning they fade to black shot two we pan down on a camp sign We see three different arrows pointing at different directions. Those are stables, archery, and cabins. And yes, in case you were wondering, they do replace all of the E's with capital sigmas, which for those of you who know the Greek alphabet might find funny because of course a sigma is pronounced what? S. Um, They also replace the Y in archery with a psi, which is pronounced how? Well, we all know that Mr. Brunner taught Latin, not Greek. So (laughs) Mr. Brunner actually knows zero Greek. (laughs) It's very cute. It's a perfect sign. I can't wait. I'm going to buy one on Etsy. Shot two fades to black. We fade back up on the third shot. It's Percy's, presumably, hands pulling something out of a knapsack, which appears to be next to a sleeping bag. And it looks like an empty leather necklace cord. Fade to black. Shot four. It's Percy Jackson's. Blue, black, and white, old school van sneakers. We all know the pair. Walking along a like glassy pond. There's moss everywhere. 
The moss is a character of its own. It really is. There's so much of it. Because of the way that they're shooting this, there's actually a lot of backlight coming in through the trees. There's like a really high level of contrast, I feel like, between the moss and the, the water and the other elements here. This forest is lush. It's, it's green. It's verdant. It's ethereal. It feels like a fantastical place where magic happens. It's gorgeous. It's giving us such a strong and captivating sense of place, which, as we have said, is exactly what we want out of a teaser, out of a trailer, and out of the first season of the show. At this point also, face reveal's not happened yet. I think it's shot roughly so that the waterline is like the halfway mark uh, vertically along the screen, right? So like, mm -hmm. we have a reflection as half of yeah. it, so we're getting a double view of the van. That's so true, because you have to think that a bunch of people at the Disney Expo hadn't necessarily seen too much of Walker's face yet. I mean, I'm sure they'd seen him on the internet, but they weren't expecting him to show up necessarily by face. Okay, we're getting there. From the sneakers... Reminder that he's a skater boy. Obviously, he's wearing Vans. Makes a lot of sense. We hard cut, not fade to black. First hard cut of the trailer. We hard cut to shot five, which is a close-up on the Camp Half-Blood orange t-shirt, a half-slung backpack over a right shoulder, and the empty leather cord around this young man's neck. Because there's a lot of depth of field, the campers in the background are very blurry, but we can see their orange shirts, and we can see that they're standing very still and staring at Percy as he is walking sort of towards the camera. The camera is tracking as following him. Another hard cut. Two. Shot six. An owl in another set of Vancouver trees. The, <laughs> I won't lie, the first time I watched this, I was like, what is this owl doing here? <laughs> it's a little interestingly cut together. Let's say that. <laughs> I was like, owl? And Leo, my manager, he was immediately like, well, it's Athena, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I knew. Yeah, it's Athena. Image. It's a symbol. Um, it represents Annabeth. Uh, totally picked that up. <laughs> but shout out to Rick's blog post. Would you like to read this sec section from Rick's blog post? By the way, those owls in the trees, those are legit owls who just happened to be in the trees on the day we were filming at camp. I think Athena was giving us her blessing. Obviously, this is a super short, super early look at the series. We don't even see Annabeth and Grover yet in these shots, but all in due time. And when you see what else is coming, wow. It will be worth the wait. That's so adorable. I love that it was a real <laughs> owl. I did not think they had time to CGI an owl that looked that good. Also, its <laughs> wings flap right as the music crescendos. Excellent scoring. Majestic. Oh my God. We should look up who did the music for the teaser. I wish I had that information. Do you think it is publicly available at this point? I feel like we'll it's We'll find not. it. We'll look for okay. it. Okay. So we fade to black on the owl with the music crescendoing as it flaps its wings. Shot seven, we fade back up on my absolute favorite shot in this oh, teaser it's everything mother freaking dior gajan as clarice who again this is the first time we've seen clearly somebody's face in this trailer it is dior as clarice wearing the capture the flag armor surrounded by a dozen and a half maybe Campers yeah. also wearing breastplates over their orange t-shirts and pants. Some of them have spears and shields. Dior has a helmet on with the red plume signifying the Ares cabin. Yeah. It is excellent. There's some demigods like sitting up in a tree. And again, they're just staring at the camera. The composition is so strong with this. So good. You really have kids everywhere and let's say something about the kids so yes. this goes by really quickly but this is so important because some of these kids look really young like some of these kids yes. are small and probably are like under 10 years old some of them are not but none of them are giving euphoria you know like the no. oldest looking person here 
is, is Dior. maybe 15 years old and it's a Dior. Yeah. Like, it's not just the ages of the kids. It is everything else about their presentation in the shot. They're not moving a ton in the shot. They're mostly still. There's a little bit of motion, but everything about their fashion and their posture in this is really... So authentically awkwardly childhood yes it looks like children at a camp who do not have it all figured out like it's not a disney channel look either let's say that like these kids no sequins in sight most of them are wearing the orange shirts some of them are wearing baseball hats but like the clothes don't all fit that well <laughs> which is so, no, they're so important so a lot of the t-shirts aren't like too long and like have weird arms i see cargo shorts i see camo shorts as well several of these kids are wearing their like kind of shiny plasticky child glasses into mm. battle into capture the flag of course they are what an important detail that is of course they are because what else would they be doing are all the 10 year olds gonna know how to put in contacts no they're not no they're not and the other ones are just gonna have their slightly more durable pairs of glasses and they're gonna be taking it to their cap activities i am so prepared to become such a hardcore Clarice stan when this show comes out. I'm going to be like, Clarice was right the whole time. She is the protagonist. Everything that she says goes, period, full stop. Just the step into the center spotlight of the Absolutely. frame. Which looks like a painting, right? Because they're sitting so still. I think it might even be like a little bit slow motion. It almost evokes back to like a vase, you know? The imagery of warriors on a vase back in <laughs> Greek times. Except for the fact that they're all kids wearing little awkward khaki shorts. And it's just perfect. Oh my God. God, it's perfect okay we fade to black on the shot of dior we fade back up on a shot that gives me absolute goosebumps again uh, it's walker uh walking mirroring that shot in shot four with just the vans except for now we're pulled out a little bit and we see his whole body walking straight through camp through the cabins as dozen maybe more campers are staring yeah. right at him he is walking parallel to screen alongside all of these people just staring at him. We see two cabins in the background. I am personally guessing that this is Hermes and either Athena or Hephaestus cabins. And if you zoom in, there are two like brunette boys that look to be like <laughs> vaguely similar with the same height, wearing like t-shirts that are way too big for them, standing in front of what is presumably the Hermes cabin. And the <laughs> internet has decided that this is Travis and Connor's stole. And I completely agree. Okay, I can understand an argument for it being the Hermes cabin, but I feel like this is probably Apollo, the cabin, mm. right? Because it's, there's, a, there's a liar on the top with this sun detailing coming out of it. There is a liar. There I two totally missed the liar. Lambdas hanging on either side of the like cabin. I was going to ask you what Greek letters those were. So we have two L's, like the two L's in Apollo. That, it feels like a conspiracy theory. The two L's in Apollo. Okay, <laughs> but like there's no A. Conspiracy. They all start with A. I don't know. I, I don't know what else that symbol would be. I think it is just a lambda. I don't know what else that would signify. I don't know. It's mostly the liar. Although, of course, Hermes invented the liar. So I guess it could be a fun little prank for him to have Apollo's instrument that he invented on the top of his cabin. But I feel like probably not. I don't know. That's where I am right now. Does the lambda signify a number at all? Physicists like using it, but no, I don't think so. Which is what's confusing because I think the other one is Athena because there's like a number six hanging from it. <laughs> I thought that that was possibly not a number six, but rather a delta sign? Delta goes the other way. If this is any Greek letter, it might be a lowercase sigma, but that would really 
I don't know. I, I don't know what we would make. If anybody of a knows there. things, please let us know because I. It's also purple. The other cabin is purple. The other cabin in oh, question. But specifically, there's detailing on it that has a lot of helms and spears depicted. So it probably is either Athena or Ares. Ares. But Ares, we think, would be more red. Ares would be more red. It's like written in the books. My initial thought was Athena. It, Athena makes sense because it's like purple. There's gold detailing. There's this very beautiful detailed architectural feature on the top. They're like yeah. um, pendant is like full of these elaborate gold statues, which feels like an Athena detail, right? Yeah. I, the only thing that made me question that maybe it was not Athena was that I looked at the original um, artwork. It's wrong! Okay, it's not wrong. We already said this. It is inconsistent with the original text. Which is totally fine. But I was just trying to see if we could maybe Easter egg our way into figuring out which cabin this was. Because in the original art of where the cabins are placed at Camp Half-Blood. Hermes is on the bottom left-hand side and right above Hermes, yeah. right next to it, is the Hephaestus cabin. It's yeah. supposed to be um, odd numbers on the left, even numbers on the right, where even numbers are women and Dionysus. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think it would make sense, especially because we didn't mention this, but that crystal clear body of water at the bottom that we can see Walker's reflection in is, is extended through here. So now we're, like, we're assuming that this is running through the middle of the cabins. And like as the camera starts to pan right at the very end of the scene, as it fades to black, there, you also see the giant um, hearth in the middle of all the cabins yes. to, to the right of the final one. Which is so important, which I clocked immediately because obviously <laughs> we know how important it is that Hestia is in the middle. All right, we fade to black. We fade back up on shot nine. This is tied with the capture the flag shot, one of my favorite <laughs> shot. It is gorgeous sun rays coming out of the upper right hand of the screen as Walker walks up the steps of what is very obviously the Poseidon cabin, a striking, imposing, teal green, blue color, huge ionic columns in the front. And the way that we are looking at the shot, we're like slightly below Walker height. So we are very much looking yeah. up at him as he is ascending the steps into this cabin. And the cabin looks huge and he looks so tiny. It looks very imposing, very, very lonely. Like the kind of thing where you step inside and there's an echo. Yeah. Which I think is something that he mentions, that Percy mentions in the book. It's a gorgeous shot. It's the first shot where we really are like fully lit because of all the sun that's coming in from the right side of the frame. Because the rest of this has all been like in the woods. It's very heavy on this like dusky, almost grayscale, bordering on, dare I say it, Disney live action style filming. But <laughs> <laughs> it is with this moment that we know that hopefully they're not just going to be using that type of cinematography throughout the series that there are like warmths and rich hues that they're hues, looking to bring us rich rich jarring hues this is also the moment that clarifies for us that this whole walk that we've been following percy on getting to the cabin this is the walk after capture the flag when he's been claimed when he's been claimed by poseidon and everyone freaks out because again, the big three pact is not supposed to be broken. Everyone is like, what does this mean? And he's making that like walk of shame over to the Poseidon cabin. And he's feeling very confused and um, frightened and unsettled. This cabin is also like perhaps a little bit in deviation from what you might be imagining based on the book's description. These cabins are like in the woods, like the ferns and the moss and the gigantic pine trees are everywhere. There are like three 
humongous pine trees that are like way taller than the cabin right all three of them are taller in this shot period (laughs) it's not just imposing because the cabin is huge but it's also imposing because it is alone in the shot like against this gigantic wooden wilderness that seems to be really heavily defining what the camp is looking like for us which is very interesting. Yeah, lots of wilderness so far. Very much in the woods, not like the fields. Very in the woods. We haven't seen any strawberry Evergreen. fields yet. Evergreen. Not yet, I like true. it. It's giving Vancouver, though. We'll, let's be clear. <laughs> As Walker is ascending the steps, lightning flashes and takes us into shot 10 as we go dark, fully black screen. As the voiceover says, they'll come for you. Once again, highlighting this undefined third party they who's going to be the antagonists of this first season shot 11 two seconds of no music don't say i didn't warn you shot 12 immediate hard up with the drums rolling the music is picking up and it's walker's face this is the percy jackson reveal we've seen his whole body we've kind of seen him from the side but his face is huge here it is literally like the top of forehead to the bottom of his chin taking up the entire screen he is looking up He is soaking wet. It's raining. I obviously thought Minotaur watching his mom being crumbled to dust here. That was my personal take. But But I'm sure that there are many options as to what this could be. Yes. It's a very dramatic shot. Um, (laughs) The the coloring in this is also really, I don't know. I'm going back and forth on this specifically because the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Little Mermaid trailer just dropped. I'm like a little afraid of the grayscale, rugged adult um, aesthetic that they've been pursuing for a lot of their like live action things. But I'm going to go probably, I'm like mostly optimistic on this front. I feel like there will be a large variety of things. It's a dramatic moment. It's in the rain. They're going to grayscale it. That's fine. Yeah. We'll still have our moments of youth and color and vibrancy. This could be several shots um, at any point in the story, because as we will remember from book one, Zeus's lightning is gone. He's really mad. It is supposed to be like thundering and raining pretty much the entire time throughout the first book, not just in that opening scene on Half-Blood Hill. And Walker said on the blue carpet at the expo that um, he has been soaking wet for like a large majority of the scenes that they have so far shot. (laughs) so which makes i mean they've shot the claiming scene as well so yeah so it makes sense which is funny because you think you know he's percy he doesn't get wet but he doesn't get wet underwater he sure does get wet in the rain (laughs) (laughs) zeus makes sure of it hard cut back to black as we fade up on the logo for the series music ominously coming to a close you can hear an owl in the soundscape going um and it's a logo we've seen before nothing too new but underneath it it says streaming soon which there has been much debate about but seems to be 2024 at this point yeah most of the trailer the versions of the trailer are posted by non-disney all have parentheses 2024 and the um, titles i was really gunning for a first episode september 2023 situation they could always like politely pleasantly surprise us but we will you know keep in mind 2024 might be realistic it's probably gonna be a late spring release right i don't know how disney timing works i know they have a very meticulous calendar where they can only have like a maximum of two things premiering on disney plus at any given time 
week by week. But like, I'm optimistic. It's leading up to the summer solstice. There's like a lot of like summer storm action happening. Mm-hmm. This is the vision I have for it. I also like don't want to, um, are we gonna have to wait until late 2024? Because that would be a little- uh... Late 2024 would be ridiculous. They wouldn't release a teaser if it wasn't gonna be until late 2024. I think you're right, I think that you're right. That is more yeah. than two years from now, pain. It doesn't take that long to CGI a Minotaur. <laughs> I think we could be looking at a potential like WandaVision timeline, you know, where if they start oh. it in February, that it ends in the end of spring and then everybody gets to rewatch it during the summer. Well, that's a good plan. We'll see. Because then it would be that, early yeah. 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Manifesting that. Um, well, that was the whole teaser. Did you think we could talk for 45 minutes about it? <laughs> I'm excited. You know, adults, being somebody who, like, obviously people know that I care about Percy Jackson in my regular life, they keep coming up to me being like, so is it going to be good? Like, people are still asking that. People who are not necessarily as connected with the universe and some people who are. And I can't, like, it's so funny for me to every single time be like, yes, yes, it's going to be good. Like, I promise it's going to be good. Also, it's going to be for children. So, like, make sure you keep that in mind as somebody who is above the age of I don't know, 13 engaging with this. They're definitely making this to be consumable for all audiences, but to target the age demographic of the original series. And that's a good thing. We appreciate that. Just as there is perhaps a dearth of very, very strong middle grade content that is at the caliber of the Percy Jackson book series, I would argue that there is a dearth of television that is targeted at that same age range made by people who I think truly understand that age range and are trying to present them something to them that is not either um, talking down to them or trying to usher them quickly into high school where they can present fictions starring exclusively 20-something-year-old casts. This is fulfilling a very important role, and we're happy about that. <laughs> I am also excited for the next season of Mysterious Benedict Society. Shout out to James Bobbin, who is the director of that and also the pilot director for PJO. Anyway, I've seen some people be pretty pressed about them shooting in Vancouver and not like on Long Island. And I just have to say that television does not work that way. (laughs) Everything shoots in Vancouver or Atlanta. Vancouver is gorgeous. What are they talking about? When you think you're looking at New York City and your TV screen, I promise you it's actually Vancouver. So (laughs) don't worry about it. You won't notice. Um, It has also occurred to me that they are shooting presently. And I am going to be in Vancouver <gasps> next week. Yes, you are. I hope I run into something. Guys, <laughs> if I run into something, I'm going to be very respectful. And I'm not going to distract the children because they are children at work, children doing labor. Nab some adults, though. <laughs> but I will be, like, pulling over a random PA and being like, can I? I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like Martin Short on Only Murders in the Building. And I'm going to pull up my voice recorder. And I'm going to be like, I'm here on the streets of Vancouver. Do you have a word? random pa um and hopefully he'll spill some tea our friend who um recently was in vancouver has been telling me that there have been encounters that people she knows have been in and around and affiliated with and employed by the production in full force in the city you can do it you can do it and creating jobs anyway (laughs) we're excited i know y'all are excited Let's keep up this momentum. Reminder that, you know, whenever we come to a close on Trials of Apollo, we're going to be revisiting The Lightning Thief. 
doing episode by episode predictions of what we think will come up, what we think will be adapted, what we think will be changed. We have some very exciting aforementioned guests who will be coming on for those episodes. So stick around, keep sending us your thoughts, keep sending us your memes and conspiracy tweet theories about who might be Selena Beauregard in the background of these shots. <laughs> and we'll be back to Trials of Apollo next week. <laughs> See y'all. Bye.